Fucking absolute clogs. This is a bloody pick, isn't it? Spot on. And we're your hosts, John Otney. Colin Westman, right? And Sean Lemmy. You Let's didn't have to blow right the, the bloody bed. podcast doors off. Yeah, he didn't. I'm doing my Hugh did. Grant for this episode. <laughs> is that what that was? Interesting. <laughs> I guess I could hear it now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can hear it. Now that I've said his famous line. <laughs> Hugh Grant, would you buy him as a podcaster? I actually would. Oh, yeah, 100%. Make a lot of it. sense. Actually. Like like if he played a podcaster in a movie. Yeah, like now. Uh, Yeah, I think so. He's still a little too handsome <laughs> to be a bug, but to also like it. I guess anyone's a podcaster these days. There are a lot of celebrities who have their own podcasts, and it's like, what are you doing? Just give them a ponytail. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty lame. Yeah, this year alone, he played an evil wizard in Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, I, an Oompa Loompa, or perhaps all the Oompa Loompas in Wonka. So I don't think. Well, podcaster's a big stretch. I think podcaster's still uglier than those two things you named. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, fuck. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself, you guys. I keep picking movies where I'm taking a pretty unpopular opinion and then being like, everyone will agree with me, though, right? <laughs> uh... No, no, no. I, I mean, I guess it only happened one other time with Willard. We got another Willard. But so this time, it's like, uh, instead of me, you know, I really liked Willard. It's kind of more like, I'm not really... I don't think Notting Hill is a bad movie. I just didn't care for it that much. Where it mm-hmm. seems like everyone on Letterboxd and in the world, apart from a few people, are like, oh, I love this movie. It's a great rom-com of the 90s. <laughs> And now what sucks is like I'm going to have to go through all my notes and they're going to sound super nitpicky because maybe they are a little nitpicky. And that's just going to be like, I'm going to try to get you guys to be like, well, d- didn't you guys think that? And you guys would be like, no. So that sucks. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. It's possible I may see where you're coming from. I don't think I thought this was a perfect film, but I, no. I did enjoy it. That's uh, okay. Look. We don't we don't have to get heated on this podcast. We can share our thoughts and just you know be be cordial about it. I don't uh, think. Yeah, sorry. You go ahead, Sean. I do think it has one glaring problem, which is that it's just a very superficial love story. Like it, you could call it a lust story, basically. I'm not really <laughs> buying the ending shot of them being like a happily married couple and she's pregnant. Like, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think this goes that far. Yeah. I was so close to ticking that, that extra half star on Letterboxd, but I just couldn't do it. You know, it's so funny. I set out here. I don't know what I set out to do here. I, I guess maybe I set out to do, oh, maybe we'll do another three star movie. 
spoiler alert, none of us gave it three stars. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't That's have picked right. a less three-star movie, apparently. <laughs> but, like, would, I, I'm trying to think, did I did I pick this because I wanted to potentially dunk on it like I like we all dunked on Love Actually? But, like... I don't, I don't know. Maybe not. Cause like I showed that I watched, I sat down and watched a movie night with autumn and like, I only try to pick stuff that I think we're going to enjoy. I don't try to, I don't try to make those bad movie nights. Sometimes they turn into those. Mm-hmm. Um, though I will say something that autumn and I do that I think would annoy a lot of people is we'll give a movie. Sometimes we'll give a movie like five minutes. And if we're not immediately on board or just like vibing with it, be like, let's watch something else. And Notting Hill was the case where we probably got in, I would say we got 21 minutes into Notting Hill before <laughs> I could tell this is not hitting where no one's laughing. We're not having a good time. Uh, but then I also had forgotten Autumn says she hates Hugh Grant. So I was like, <laughs> and I was like, interesting. And I'm like, what, what do you hate about him? Let's see. I'm trying to remember what she said. Um... Oh, I, this was more. I was. This is. I, I'm looking at some old text. This is more of uh, her problem with the movie, not him, I guess. Where she said, "It's the ultimate fantasy of being an awkward but secretly handsome loser that attracts movie stars." <laughs> That's more of a conceptual yeah. issue. I think the Hugh Grant issue is more. He plays this this kind of like fumbling, like uh, self-deprecating, lacks confidence kind of guy in a lot of movies. And I don't know. I, I kind of get it. Like, I don't feel like it's super attractive, at least in, for me, for a guy like that to lack confidence. Like, even in the fact that he's like, oh, here's my store. Everything in here is shite. It's all bad. I don't know. Maybe I don't like Hugh Grant either, I'm starting to discover. Maybe I don't like that, <laughs> Maybe. that type of person. Me, that didn't read as lack of confidence. That read as, um, I mean, awareness of their their difference in social class uh, but mostly like a a, a self-deprecating coolness because coolness. like oh god because he wasn't oblivious <laughs> he knew that he knew that she was uh, in that he was playing it cool is what i mean mm-hmm. um i like, was not he, quite sure sorry i was just gonna say yeah. i was not quite sure he knew who she was but he didn't know who leonardo dicaprio was yeah, that that part was weird, but he we'll definitely knew that. who she was because um, in the scene after that, he tells he tells Spike that he just had met Anna Scott, and the only way he 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 can say that the only way he knows her name is if he knows who she is because she never introduces herself. Okay, um, you know I'd love to get in more of this, and we will, but I'm trying to save it a little bit. I still have to do my little pick. But also, just so I don't forget, I vow from this day that I'm going to find a movie that Colin likes and Sean hates, or vice versa. Because I always feel like we're either all on the same page, or I'm off on some island. So mm, I feel like the one um, I can think of where I wasn't vibing with the movie and you guys really liked it was The Hunt for Red October. Mm, <laughs> okay, I, I guess I don't remember. I, I was watching that for the second time and discovered that I think it's boring. Uh, <laughs> damn, dude. All right. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I don't I, know if there's... Yeah, maybe there will be one. I, just, I, really I think like we just got to avoid like. Alec Baldwin if we want to... <laughs> He creates a, a, a divisive 
Uh, yeah. Tone <laughs> here. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're gonna get into it a little more, but first I gotta do my little pick. Um, I was gonna pick a documentary, but uh, then I changed my mind and picked a different documentary. <laughs> Close you guys, one. You guys need to know that. Thank and you, uh, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, because I watched the Emperor's. New groove. I'd never. I almost call it last groove. <laughs> uh, for the first time, uh, yesterday. This is. This isn't. I don't think it's a documentary. This isn't my little thing. Um, but I'd forgotten. I'd heard this before that there is a unreleased documentary about the making of Emperor's New Groove, but about how it was originally a different movie and then executives tooled with it so much that it became a, a different, you know, it, it, it totally morphed what it was. Right. And you might be asking, well, how, how the fuck is it unreleased? Well, I mean, you can watch it on the film archive or YouTube. Uh, so the movie's called The Sweatbox. Basically what Sweat happened box. is when they're making The Emperor's New Groove back, this started probably like 95, mid-90s, 96-ish is when they started. And they got the director of The Lion King and he was going to do this sweeping musical, much in the vein of The Lion King, about the, the, the Mayans. Um, it was called Kingdom of the Sun. Yeah. I clicked my huh. pen to accentuate my points. <laughs> Fair. Like a judge banging his gavel. Like a judge. Yeah. They don't do that for any other reason to just because <laughs> they're mad. Um. <laughs> So they were going to do this Kingdom of the Sun sweeping musical, um, and they got who else but Sting. Nice. Greatest songwriter of our time. <laughs> um, and so then Sting's wife, who was also a filmmaker, Trudy Styler, started filming all this stuff. I was like, hey, can I make a making of about Sting's involvement and about the making of the movie? And like, yeah, sure. Um, so she started filming all this footage of Sting working on music and then talking to the animators and all this stuff. Uh, but then, over time, the executives didn't like this 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 uh, this direction they were going in. I, I think the plot was more of like uh, there's the, the the emperor who was who was still David Spade. He still recorded all his lines, and then the Pacha character, which was Owen Wilson, they were gonna like switch places, and then David Spade was gonna get turned into a llama, and then he had to make his way back to the kingdom. Uh, because the, the, the advisor lady, Eartha Kitt's character, uh, it has some plot to like block, to like destroy the sun so she can stop aging. Uh, wow. Some, it's something around the lines of that. And they, they, they weren't into it. Um, and so it kind of morphed into this funnier thing. And then like Sting became less and less a part of it. But then he also became super stressed because he's like, I thought this was going to be like a few days of work. This has now been like two years that I'm still being <laughs> called about this and they're having me do songs. Um, long story short, he did end up doing two songs for it, uh, which I didn't even realize uh, when I watched the movie that he'd done two songs because the first song is sung by Tom Jones in the movie. It's the opening song huh. of the movie. The one about Cusco. And then he sings some song over the credits, which is just some lame ballad that sucks. But I think it's still got an Oscar nomination. Um, but yeah, it's it's the journey from and like the original director were like quit, so they brought on another guy. And it's just crazy thing these executives just come in there and like 
be like, no, we start over, even though he's already like two years deep at that point on this, on this project, they've storyboarded everything. They've recorded all of Owen Wilson's lines. So it, it's, it's, it, it was crazy, you know, and it's, it's like 90 minutes and you can watch this. It, it's just crazy. I can see why Disney doesn't want it out there. Cause they don't come off very well in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know how the character morphs from Owen Wilson to John Goodman. Well, they got rid of the whole plot where they're swapping places. Uh, so I guess they felt he needed to be old then. There's no reason for them to look alike anymore. I don't know. Uh, we'll never know. We'll never We'll never see Kingdom of the Sun. We'll never exist. But it was interesting to see how, you know, execs, the kind of role they can play creatively in films. And then also how they kind of destroyed... Uh, the hand-drawn department of Disney, you know, yeah. uh, it, it's probably, it's guys like this, you know, the, 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 I think the two execs on this also worked on home on the range. They were, they went down with that burning ship and they were probably the ones who <laughs> lit the match. So, uh, yeah, bummer, but interesting. Sting seems like a good sport <laughs> to endure. So I would definitely recommend, and I would recommend uh, Emperor's New Groove. I'd never seen it. I thought it was pretty funny. I liked everyone in it. 78 minutes, which is a glorious runtime. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you cut out all the music. Yeah, it's because I cut out all the music. <laughs> it's it's funny that it sounds like Disney still has not learned the lesson from this. Because yeah. when you read about... Um, I mean, Marvel is the stuff that comes to mind where we know stuff like Ant-Man Quantumania was like reinvented like seven times before it actually came out. Um, but even stuff like Frozen, right? It was, isn't Frozen supposed to be like massively rewritten? Like originally Elsa is just the villain of the movie and yeah, and they end up having right. to change all that. I feel like you'd know, Colin. I feel like you you presented all this, right? Yeah, we did our Frozen podcast. That sounds right. That was a while ago, though. It's just like Disney just doesn't give a fuck. They're just going to burn through money and creative ideas until, I don't know, they test well or something. Until those executives are happy, I guess. I mean, they kept saying, like, collaboration is important. Yeah, but not with you guys. <laughs> it just seems really hard to do when you have, like... You have to like it, yeah. Animate everything or or put in special effects, and it's just like you're dealing with a lot of money and a lot of creative teams. It's just like maybe you should just figure this all out before you start <laughs> going into production. Um, I guess it's I just guess... hard when there's that much money at stake. Right, but it seems like you're burning through even more money when you're reanimating a movie. Yep. <laughs> Um, John, since you covered them both this year, does would you say the Sweatbox is more of a clusterfuck than the Exorcist and Dominion, the Exorcist? Um, I would guess, yeah, I think it probably is. I'm gonna guess they probably wasted more money, um, with this whole Emperor's New Groove fiasco. I, I mean, especially yeah, those movies were more expensive, and Emperor's New Groove didn't make a lot even when it did come out. You know, it has a bit of a cult following today. But yeah, I think more yeah. was lost there. I, you know, the Exorcist was like I, I don't even know if anyone was paying attention when that happened. <laughs> so, but yeah, good question. Um, I also would like to use my little pick to talk about the world of animation. Um, 
because um, over Thanksgiving weekend, actually the weekend before Thanksgiving weekend, I inhaled um, a new Netflix series called Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, um, which is a uh, uh, retelling of, of the Scott Pilgrim uh, comic book and also movie um, that brings back... I think the entire cast of the movie. I don't believe any parts were recast. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Maybe there were some characters that just aren't in this. But it seemed like everybody was in it. Even people you think might be too busy, like like Chris Evans and and Brie Larson and uh, I don't know Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman having one hell of a year. We all gotta admit it, right? Colin, would you admit it? Mm, what else did he do this year? <laughs> Asteroid City, Spider Man. Yeah. He's in the new Hunger Games movie. Okay, he's sure. in the last season of Gemstones. Or Gemstones. was that season two? He was in it recently. Yeah, I think he was in one of the I think you should leaves this year. I think so. All right. I mean, good on him. the year. Yeah, yeah. Admit it, Colin. I'll admit it, Sean. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's also uh, a show that was uh, developed by and written by Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator of Scott Pilgrim, uh, the graphic novels. Uh, And it's also produced by um, uh, Edgar Wright. And it has music by Anna Managuchi, who did the soundtrack to the Scott Pilgrim video game. Um, So basically, every, every single person you would want involved in a new Scott Pilgrim thing is here. And... Uh, I'm going to give you a very big spoiler now, uh, which is that the first episode of the show is exactly the start of the Scott Pilgrim story, the same as in the comic, the same as in the movie, except that when the first evil ex appears, Matthew Patel, uh, to fight Scott Pilgrim, he instantly kills Scott Pilgrim. Um, And so the remaining seven episodes of this uh, eight-episode miniseries are sort of an alternate retelling of the events of of Scott Pilgrim, with Ramona Flowers as the new main character, uh, with Scott Pilgrim out of the picture, and uh, and a focus on instead of battling the evil exes, kind of getting to know them better and understanding their trauma and uh, and um, kind of the unfortunate way that Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Ramona broke up with with all of them. Um. I think it's it's cool that she got a, a bigger starring role in this. Um, I think the animation style of this show is really cool. It's very like video gamey slash anime e. Like you could probably just call it an anime if you wanted to. <laughs> um, and I did not see that twist coming, and it made, it made the the seven episodes following the first like really exciting to watch. Um. Yeah, I mean it's been a, it's been a long time since I watched like a whole show in like two days, so I I guess I I really really liked it, and um, of course now I've been on Reddit and people are so mad, <laughs> and that exhausts me. So I thought I would just you know, use my use my my time here to say I think it's a good show, and also I think John should watch it because Griffin Newman's in it. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. Just having it. Wait, why are people mad about it? 
Oh, because it's not. They like I there's a contingent of people that were like, "Oh, the movie missed out on so much nuance that's in the graphic novel and having a series do the graphic novel uh gives it a chance to really flesh out the that story." Um and I think those people are boring because clearly Brian Lee O'Malley was like, hey, it's been 20 years since I did that comic and my feelings have changed about this story and I've got an opportunity to do something new and interesting and that's what he did and I think that's great. And the comic has not gone away. You can still read the whole comic if you want to. I did it. Yeah. He did it. I did it. Can you do it, Con? I can do it. (laughs) Um, You're not going to, though. Uh no, I'm not, I'm not gonna. I don't yeah, know. I can't imagine. Even if I gave you that Scott Pilgrim box set, I don't think you'd read it. Um, I might. Just you know, just to be polite, <laughs> and because I, out of appreciation for the gift. Nah, I don't think so. I just feel like I usually read most of the books I own. Well, that's a great Not question. Is there anything them. on my shelf here that I'm like, oh, I haven't gotten into that tone? I mean, there's, there's definitely <laughs> stuff I haven't read yet, but I like intend to read all of it <laughs> someday. I said I haven't got into that tome. First thing I look at on my bookshelf is Tomi, which is the manga collection by Jinji Ito, which is incredibly long because it's like, Tome sounds like Tomi. It's true. Yeah, dude. This is so long. <laughs> 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 this is like 800 pages. Oh boy! I mean, it's a it's a manga, but still. And it's wow, that's a thick boy. Well, it's like I think it's a collection of stories, but it's just like so many. It's like oh my god, I don't got that much time. <laughs> You're going down. You're going down. Come on, we going down for pick. Um, going down to Graceland. <laughs> Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. My uh, my little pick is Priscilla, the um, Queen of the Damned. Queen of the Damned. <laughs> Wait, what are you doing? What is that? No, Queen of the Desert. Queen of the Desert. Queen of the Desert. That's what yeah. it is. I'll get you the name of the Queen of the Damned, Sean. Just a minute here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Queen of the Damned's name was Akasha. Akasha. All right. Uh, but yeah, Priscilla, this is the uh, like autobiographical movie about Priscilla Presley based on her memoir, Elvis and Me. I uh, felt like I had to make it my little pick since I think we did make last year's Elvis a little pick at some point, I guess, whenever it came out on HBO <laughs> Max because we all watched it together. And it's an insane movie. Uh this movie, not as insane. It's a, it's a lot more sort of like subdued and contemplative, uh, which I really appreciated after being, uh, you know, punched in the face with the Elvis story <laughs> after watching uh, Baz Luhrmann's uh, kind of depiction of Elvis's life. Uh, and he, you know, do- doesn't include Priscilla presley a lot in that movie um and in this movie you kind of see why uh because it is kind of about her domestic life uh being sort of like almost trapped at graceland (laughs) um 
The movie starts out when Priscilla's 14 years old living in Germany with her parents, and she gets, like, invited to a party hosted by Elvis. And she meets him, and then, like, years later, they reconnect, and uh, Elvis ends up marrying her. But he doesn't really include her in a lot of, like, the glamorous parts of his life. Like, she's not going out on tour with him. She's not going to Hollywood. Um, so she doesn't even, like, end up interacting in the movie with the colonel, which is probably for the best. Because, no. <laughs> uh, you know, any depiction's going to pale in comparison to whatever the hell Tom Hanks was doing in that movie. Um... So instead you get, like, yeah, this uh, depiction of domesticity, but also, like, a woman kind of being treated to almost this, like, fairy tale life that she clearly wants, but is, is, like, ultimately trapped by as she gets older and gets more dissatisfied with it. Um, it is interesting that they didn't even use any of... Elvis's actual music in the movie. I don't know if that was a rights issue, but um, the song choices are still, like, interesting. Some of it's sort of period-appropriate. A lot of it's not. A, some uh, You know, some of it's kind of modern, which I guess is Sofia Coppola's signature sometimes. Oh, like the Strokes <laughs> or something? Uh, yeah, like the Strokes. <laughs> All right, is there song. any stroke songs? There's, there's no there's no strokes in it. I mean, there's nothing that jarring, I would say, but it's more like her using, like, I don't know, like sort of synthy music that I think is more part of the score than the actual, um, like, soundtrack. Was it was it Doja Cat in Elvis? I'm yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that, that movie goes for that shit, like, hard. <laughs> like, too hard. You ain't um, nothing but a hound dog, hound, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like, Kaylee Spaney, who plays Priscilla, is is really good at it. You buy her both as a teenager and as, like, someone in their 20s, because I think she is actually, like, 25, but I still was like, wow, that is a child. Elvis Presley should not be <laughs> trying to get with her. This is wrong. Um, and I, I mean... How's the Elvis... Is it better than Austin Butler? He was good. Jacob Elordi, who people seem to know from uh, Euphoria. but too tall. I hadn't seen him in anything. He is a tall Elvis. I feel like it kind of works for the movie because it makes it seem even more like Priscilla is a child. And he's, like, kind of predatory. Uh, So I guess I'm okay with tall Elvis. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Elvis doesn't come off so great in this <laughs> like he is he doesn't even have his songs he doesn't have his songs he's just bossing her around um i did a, i did feel like the movie did kind of like delve into elvis's psyche and sort of like how weird and like aimless he was sometimes like it gets into the fact that he got really into spirituality and also into karate <laughs> and i'm like I love that part of Elvis's story. I could have used a little more of that in Elvis, the movie. Um, Yeah, just like a more sort of introspective, but also um, kind of cutting (laughs) depiction of who he was. Uh, Does he talk about Captain Marvel Jr.? 
don't, I don't think he talks about Captain Marvel Jr. Oh, was that his favorite superhero? <laughs> that was his favorite superhero. Captain Marvel's sidekick, Captain Marvel Jr. Yeah. Instead of the little kid who turns into a grown-up, it's the little kid who turns into a, a bigger little kid. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some people, I think, seem to take issue with the fact that we, like, don't really get to know... <laughs> <laughs> too much about Priscilla as a person, but I think mm. kind of the point of the movie is showing that like she didn't really get to like fully form her own self. Um, and I feel like that makes the ending of the movie really satisfying, even though it, it is kind of abrupt, but I, I, I kind of liked it. Um, but yeah, overall, good movie. Better than... <laughs> Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, I would say, even though it's a totally different beast. So I guess it just depends what you're looking for. Is it? It's not like um, creepy, is it? Um, it's a twenty-four, right? I wouldn't go as far as to say creepy. I feel like it does. It's not super judgmental, I guess, of Elvis. Even though, again, <laughs> he he comes off as as I guess. A bit of a creep, but it's nothing like I don't know, malicious involved. Just yeah, just because this uh, hearing about this reminds me of uh, the movie Spencer about you know Princess right. Diana from uh, Pablo Lorraine Spencer, which would have made my top ten that year had I seen it in time. Uh, that that's like a horror movie. You like the you think like the royals are like they're like ghouls. Yeah, you know? they're keeping her definitely. Yeah, it doesn't go that far. I mean, it does. It, it also does have like a little bit of like a coming of age <laughs> aspect to it because she is still like going to school while also being married to this very famous guy, um, which you know feels appropriate, I guess, because Sofia Coppola does like to make movies about teenagers, even though this is a very irregular teenage story yeah but i mean that's also the virgin suicides and marie antoinette like that's absolutely her jam yeah if only they could find a way to work phoenix into it they'd be hitting all yeah they did they did they do the music i think thomas mars did do some music for yeah well they're married yeah so that makes sense um yeah it says he was a uh he was a music supervisor on the movie there you go do you think Elvis would have liked it? Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> really? Sounded like uh, Lisa Marie Presley saw a cut of the movie before she died and did not like it, which uh, yeah. I guess is understandable because it doesn't make her parents' <laughs> marriage look uh, super ideal. Sure. Because uh, Elvis was a big movie guy. Do you know what of yeah. what one of Elvis's favorite movies was? It was uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> oh, God. Saw it many times, and after a bad show, he would say, It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> um, his bodyguard confirmed that. That's what he would say. Uh, but a, a classic British comedy, much like uh, today's film. <laughs> Not yeah. Hill. I mean, it makes sense. Richard Curtis. I feel like if I really want to do the deep dive, I got to watch Black Hatter 
because he's what creator co-creator i don't remember i did my richard curtis deep dive when we did love actually a few years ago so i'm not going to do a lot of background on notting hill i the only thing i will mention is that the idea came to writer richard curtis when he was lying awake in bed one night (laughs) what i like about that anecdote is like so he just thought of it there wasn't really any impetus. He just thought of it one. T- it's like if you ask like George Lucas, like, "How'd you come up with Star Wars?" Oh, you know, I just, I just thought of Star Wars. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> one night I was in bed, and I just thought about Star Wars. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It's just like, why, why is this a part of the story? Uh, I, I will say that the the idea for Notting Hill, it's a pretty good idea for a movie. And um, I think that is a huge difference maker. <laughs> When it comes to Richard Curtis movies, yeah, because uh, like Love Actually was like it's a good idea for a movie, but all the individual stories in it are bad ideas for stories. Well, I would kind of, I don't know. I mean, if I think about all the other Richard Curtis movies, I mean, I haven't seen all of them. If we're just counting ones he directed and ones he wrote, I feel like usually Uh, the idea is good. I don't know, man. The idea for About Time is really, really bad. A lot of people. I'm. I see. I don't want you guys to see about time because I'm afraid you'll like it, and then I'm going to be even more on my own. Because that's a movie that a lot of people like. It was well reviewed, but mm-hmm. I hate it because it's just gaslighting the movie. It's a guy who yeah. manipulates uh, a woman's life so that she'll love him, and never tells her the secret. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, a lot of people like it. I'm mostly dudes like it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's surprising. I can't imagine one. But I think. I mean. I, I think. A guy who wants to try to make a relationship happen uh, using time travel, in theory, could be a good idea for a movie. I think Yesterday is a great idea for a movie, but of course the whole whole story of the movie Yesterday is, uh, uh, it, you know, it was taken from a guy who had already written a script and then kind of morphed into this beast that it became. And I, I always thought the original script sounds like a better movie. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh, I, you know, Notting Hill is probably, uh, you know, talking talking movies, his his most beloved work. I don't know if it's his most discussed. That's probably the Love Actually. Um, did he direct? I'm trying to remember which ones he directed. Obviously, he didn't direct this one. He doesn't usually direct. He didn't direct yesterday either. There's also Pirate Radio. I haven't watched that. Uh, you mean the boat that rocked? <laughs> That's it. You know, that is a pretty good title. That's what they call it here, right? I can't No, that's what they call call it it there. That's the actual title. It's called Pirate Radio Here. Oh, it's called Pirate Radio Here. Yeah, Pirate Radio is uh, the boat boat that rocks. It's a really funny title. It's like uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's like, how dumb do you think Americans are? Uh... Yeah, I, I feel like if you call it pirate radio, they're gonna think there's pirates in it, right? It's gonna think it's gonna. Yeah. Which maybe is what they're going for. They thought they would trick people. Maybe it's another Pirates of the Caribbean movie. There's probably some some more interesting background into the making of this movie. I know they went through a few directors before they settled on. Um... Did you know that the house with the blue door was Richard Curtis's house? I did. What? He lived in Notting Hill. Uh, so good for him, dude. Yeah, uh, the guy who did, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, another Richard Curtis script that I've yet to 
dive into his breakout uh, at least film wise that that director was going to do this but then he went to do Pushing Tin <laughs> another <laughs> movie that feels like something that we would cover wait no I'm, I'm thinking of not Pushing Tin I'm thinking of Tin Cup is that what it's called what's the golf one that's yeah, Tin, tin Cup cups yeah I don't know I don't know what Pushing Tin is it looks like it has John Cusack tin. airplane movie this is probably also a movie we would do <laughs> Just based off of how it looks and who's in it. Uh, but yeah, no, they got uh, Roger Michelle, who we know from Changing Lanes. <laughs> the movie he yeah, did dude. right after this. It's a very man. odd a progression. I would not say the two movies are particularly similar. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever three-time Roger Michelle. I mean, unless we really yeah. want to do Hyde Park on Hudson. I think Morning Glory is probably more likely. If we really want to go deep on Harrison Ford, <laughs> Harrison Ford, who is referenced in Notting Hill, this is true. I it's in my it's, it's in the notes, my Notting Hill notes. You said to be on the lookout for a cameo, and so when they said, "Oh, they Sean," Harrison Ford very early I, in the movie, I was so I, excited. I fucking wish. <laughs> That would have bumped it up that half star I needed if Harrison Ford had showed up as the guy that took his wife or girlfriend or whatever. Um, wife. Yeah, yeah, wife. They got divorced. They, had that, they get divorced. They had the shop. Um, so, here, so here we go. No, Notting Hill. We open with a, uh, a montage of, of footage of Julia Roberts. Real footage, I, I assume, of, of her and various press junkets and various red carpets. And uh, it's... Elvis Costello covering an old 70s love song, She. That was the thing to do in the late 90s, because you remember he's also doing the Burt Backrack song and Austin Powers. They came out mm-hmm. the same year. This was a, a great time to get Elvis in to do, uh, to do a cover. Speaking of Austin Powers, you notice they did a joke that's also in Austin Powers, the, uh, the second Austin Powers movie? Which joke was that? What joke? Um, there's a bit where Spike is eating yogurt and um, and uh, I forget what Hugh Grant's character's name is. Uh, Hugh Grant tells him, that's not yogurt, that's mayonnaise. And then Spike goes, oh, okay. And then he like eats a big heaping spoonful of it, which is the exact same joke as Austin Powers drinking fat bastard shit in the second Austin Powers movie. The it's a bit nutty. Yeah. Wow. It's just taking it to more of an extreme, I, I suppose. Yeah. Went <laughs> this is the more, more down to earth version of that joke. Yeah. The Austin Powers version? Yeah. We've yeah, all eaten shit. shit. <laughs> we've all drank shit. Excuse me. We've all drank and eaten shit. Um, it's a bit nutty. Yeah, we have this 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 montage that we, they turn into magazine covers, but this is like a pre-Photoshop world, so they look uh, wonky. Um, but yeah, nice nice song like that. And uh, we're introduced to William Thacker, who owns a bookstore, a travel bookstore. Mm-hmm. Do we ever... I can't... I was looking for it, too, so help help me out here. Do we ever find out why he, uh, he got a travel... Like, why did he want a travel bookstore? Or is it just a funny I, movie job? Yeah, I think it's just a funny movie job. I mean, I just love that he owns a bookstore because it is like the most 
romantic comedy profession is owning a bookstore, which is why, uh, which is why you've got mail is the ultimate romantic comedy because it's about dueling bookstores. <laughs> yeah, but the the kinds of bookstores I feel like play a role in the story, whereas a travel bookstore, if he, if he had a monologue about how I've never left Notting Hill or something. Like, mm-hmm. oh, how ironic. But yeah. there isn't really any payoff to him working in a travel bookstore. There's, I guess they yeah. do they, try, they do some scenes. Like, there's the guy who's like, do you have Winnie the Pooh? He also he asks, yeah. callback, do you have the latest John Grisham? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's got to be a better joke about this being uh, a travel a travel bookstore. Maybe he could bring up books that have where people travel in them. And then he could be like, well, that's not really a travel book, though. They're just traveling in the book. I feel like there's there could be more to be played within this space. And I don't know. I just I was just waiting for, like, why is it a travel bookstore? I, I, I like it because it's like, yeah, obviously this would fucking fail. This place definitely died in COVID. <laughs> oh, probably before well, then. But it doesn't even seem like he <laughs> likes that he's, he's there. Because he's like, when he meets, you know, not trying to jump ahead too much, but when he meets Julia Roberts... And he's talking about how, like, this book sucks. I guess he's probably saying other books are better. So he does know the material. Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay, though, if he's, like, not that interested in his job and then this exciting woman comes into his life and he's like, oh, something to distract me from my humdrum existence. I just like it when the, when the job it motivates the plot in some way. Like in mm-hmm. you, like and like in you've got mail, but I know it's not just about a bookstore. But I mean, Notting Hill. The not movie's really. called Notting Hill, so I feel like we right. really gotta make Notting Hill a character. I do feel like that is an underdeveloped part of this. I don't know why the mm-hmm. movie is called Notting Hill, except for the like, except for knowing behind the scenes that like Richard Curtis really did live there and want to write about there, but. Like it even it it has that like uh, opening uh, voiceover where he like talks about how much he loves Notting Hill and how all his friends live there, um, and he's like like this one guy who you won't see again until the very end of the movie, and then he doesn't even get to get in the car with everyone else because he's not important. Remember this? <laughs> yeah. He's like here's my one friend who was like an accountant who spent all his money to open up a restaurant, and then like you're not gonna see him again for an, for like an hour and a half. Like, don't worry about this guy. He's my least important friend. But he's the only one I introduced at the start of the movie. Um, and, and, and yeah, like you, like you were saying, if it was like, I've never escaped Notting Hill, that would be different. That would make sense to be, you know, um, you know, she's living this exciting life and he wants to go see the world. But it doesn't seem like that. It seems like he's actually... Very, very happy at Notting Hill and actually wants to bring <laughs> Julie Roberts to just live in, in his little neighborhood in London. Yeah, I just I would have liked to know a little more about Notting Hill. It seems it seems nice. It seems very nice. I mean, I guess you could also houses. take it as it being called Notting Hill because non- Notting Hill is just some kind of nondescript, kind of unremarkable place. And then the most remarkable person shows up in this place. Right. And there's a contrast but, there. But then again, I don't really know. Says, that's me assuming that's what Notting Hill is just based off of the bookstore. Because that's all I see. I mean, we see the market and stuff. We hear about the market. But I don't know, like, if it's, like, a popular place or a not popular place. or. That seems pretty bougie to me. If they'd called it – I wouldn't – it's funny. I wouldn't have an issue if they'd called it something – what else could they have called this movie? 
Bundy. Starfucker 1999. Starfucker 99. Which <laughs> <laughs> is an awesome title. Not Starfucker 2000. I, I feel like that was the thing. You wanted to get ahead of it, right? Like yeah. Godzilla 2000? Because like that came out in 99. anticipating 2000. I think there was a movie I saw recommended on like whatever streaming platform I was watching. Dracula 2000. Oh, yeah. I remember. Oh, yeah. Gerard Butler. Like, he was like, yeah, that was just a thing, just putting 2000 at the end of movie <laughs> yeah. titles. We just named two movies that did. Hell yeah, dude. Yep. It happened. Everyone was getting fucking stoked. For the Star big millennium. 2000. Yeah. Um, and in William's narration, we do get the funny bit about um, his wife left him for a man who looks like Harrison Ford. Like that was was dying for a Harrison Ford cameo. I'm sure. I bet they asked. I bet they asked. Yeah. Um, we also meet early on Spike, uh, yep. his roommate, <sighs> Reese Iphens. I've mm-hmm. never been confident. I'm gonna go with Reese. I, I'm just gonna call him Spike. Just, it's just let's just make yeah, this let's easy. Just call Spike. What? You, how do you guys feel about Spike? He's hilarious. Uh, yeah, he's funny. I don't know. He's he's a fairly stock. Uh, <laughs> type of romantic comedy character, I feel like. I almost felt like I'd seen Reese Evans in this role in some other movie, but I guess I hadn't when I looked at his filmography. I mean, the only other time I can remember him being friend is Greenberg, and that I feel yeah. like that he's more of just depressed. Yeah, he seems fairly put together in that by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's not like in his underwear or anything. Um, maybe he's just meant for a role I, like this. I think he's too stupid, though. I think he's too stupid. Because <laughs> his first scene stupid. is him. He's telling William that he's getting ready for a date, and he's like, "What shirt should I wear?" And his first shirt mm. is like a xenomorph popping out of his chest. I, I just feel like abs- it's, it's I, too I will stupid. Give you that one, John. Yeah, you are right. It says, That's "I love blood." Yeah. It's like, come on, man, you gotta know. I mean, I guess we don't know. We don't know what he does. Maybe he's, like, just gotten out of, uh, like, an institution, or he's got some... I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what he does. Maybe... I don't know. Yeah, and his uh, his other shirt, then his next shirt says, get it here. Um, And then his last shirt is, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. But then on the back, it says, fancy a fuck. (laughs) Yeah, terrible stuff. Just... A, a vile human. <laughs> and I like Reese Ife. I just think he's too gross. Spike's too gross. Mm. Um, Very different performance from the last time I saw him, which was in uh, House of the Dragon. Oh my god, that's right. I, I've noticed in my notes early on that I'm being way I'm being well I'm being way too mean to most of this movie but I'm being especially too mean to Hugh Grant because every time he does a, a specific pronunciation I wrote it down which seems really unfair especially because like I don't even think that's I think that's just how British people talk <laughs> like I I wrote down the line suddenly it's the weak hand with like an H weak hand and I remember really oh god and then also kebab but I think that's just how you say it mm-hmm. I think that's how they say it. Just they say okay. kebab. They say aluminium. Yeah. So let's. I mean, let's talk about Hugh Grant because I found him to be 
very attractive. Sure. Very charming. Sure. I was on, like, he's in basically every scene in this movie, and I was here for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does Hugh Grant bother you guys so much? But you guys, I mean, you and Autumn. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't bother He's me He's too shticky. He's too much. Oh, well, my. Fumbling over himself. But, like, he knows that, like, it's almost like a way to, like. It feels inauthentic. I don't like it. I don't like the, the character type. And he plays that in most of his movies. Mm. So yeah. You just think that the character he's playing is an act, even, like, within the fiction of the movie. Yeah, it, 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 it yeah, I, I, I think that's it. And I feel like he, and I feel like that's his, his, his thing. And I feel like either you're on board for it or you're not. That's it. I get, I, it's not like I don't get it. I trust me. I get it. It just doesn't now, work on me. Paddington too. <laughs> yeah. Did you like him there? I don't remember anymore. Uh, I don't remember if I liked him in, I think, I think I liked him in Paddington. Yeah. I don't always, like, I like, I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time. So I should revisit it. But I liked About a Boy. I'm pretty sure I'd still like that movie. Maybe I just don't like him in a, as a rom-com guy. You know? Yeah, I mean... I don't want someone a, lusting after him. About a Boy is kind of a rom-com. But <laughs> it I is, guess, I it guess is. you are... Like, he's more depicted as, like, a schmuck, sort of. <laughs> like, I don't think he's supposed to be quite as likable, because you're like, this guy's just kind of leeching off of uh, society, basically. <laughs> uh but yeah, he is just kind of a regular guy in now, Notting Hill. It's it. This is not fair to the movie. It does not help that Hugh Grant's personal life has been uh, controversial, and that yeah. he's a bit of a creep in real life. Again, no <laughs> yeah. fault of any of the movies he's in. But it's hard. Like, I feel like that's how I learned about who Hugh Grant was as a kid. Was his mugshot. <laughs> I probably knew that mugshot before I'd seen any movies he'd been in. So that was like my introduction to him. So it's just hard to disassociate the the two. Yeah. What was yeah, so funny is there's a fair. point where I was asking Autumn, and I'd like to propose this question to you guys too because I think it's fun, is um, who are some charming British actors of today that you would like to see in a rom-com? Because every time I would float one by Autumn... She'd be like, no. And it's just so funny that she didn't like any of the people I tried to come up with. Except every time we came up with somebody like, oh, that's a good one. We're like, oh, wait, no, he's Irish. <laughs> it's like, maybe that's the secret. Because, like, I think, what did I, um, where's the text? I don't remember. I, 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 like, floated, like, what about, like, Tom Hiddleston? And she's like, he seems like he's hiding something. <laughs> Which, like, I get. Like like in the Crimson Peak style, where like he seems charming, but then he's gonna like kill you if he's in a movie. <laughs> and then I said, Andrew, well, what about like Andrew Garfield? And she said, he's British. And then she said, yeah. ew. <laughs> now wait a minute. So I think, the, I think the wait problem. A, wait, I, a minute, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not done with my. I'm not done with my thought. Yeah, keep going. Problem with Andrew Garfield? Too American. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he doesn't really ha- do the accent most of the time. Makes sense. There, there is one glaring problem here, John. Yeah, and that is Robert Pattinson, who is like I didn't bring Tom's up Robert Pattinson. Actor. I think uh, no, I think she would have said too creepy. What? <laughs> he too really, creepy. He doesn't really do comedies. I feel like yeah, he feel he's like gonna. He's, 
he's always like a complete weirdo <laughs> or just like off-putting in some way these days. I got like, likes Twilight, but it's not because she thinks he's so hot or something. But I think uh, she, I thought she, she liked, she, she likes him a lot. Lesson. Yeah. Yeah. She likes him a lot, but not like, not because he's like the most charming guy. I don't know. I'll have to ask her. All right. Oh, let, me, okay, let me get let, on the pod. No. <laughs> let me run some of, I think, your favorite British guys. My favorite British guys? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to lead off with Harry Melling. Oh, is that the guy from uh, Queen's Dudley Gambit? Dudley Dursley. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Obviously, that's a great choice. Well, but no, but it would be so unfair to have a woman fall for him hard in a rom-com. Is he's he's a little too goofy looking, but I like him a lot. All right. What about Daniel Kaluuya? Uh, yeah, you know who I like. Um, I was gonna say too intimidating, but he was pretty charming in Get Out. Okay. I'll give you Daniel Kaluuya. I would I would see him in a movie like this. Is that the, is that it? To, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. Rafe Spall. Rafe Spall. <laughs> I don't know how I've become associated with uh, Rafe Spall, but it seems to come up time and time again. Oh, hmm. Yeah, I guess. Sure, fine. You got me. <laughs> okay. Got him. All right. Ooh. Good. Good job. I also didn't. We didn't mention it at the time, but I was thinking. Well, I, I just Elba though. He is. He can be a little intimidating, but I think. Yeah. I. That's like a golden bachelor. I, I couldn't. I, I'm just trying to think. Like, could I imagine him owning like a bookstore? <laughs> <laughs> he's. In, I don't know. He's no. He's too. He's too physically imposing. Um, I would say Will Poulter's having a moment now that he got jacked. Uh, everybody but now was he's too, but now he's too jacked. But we were all pretty turned on by his scene in The Bear this year. So it's maybe a good it works scene. for him. It was a good scene. I like Will Poulter a lot. So uh, You know like who I don't want? Yeah. Tom Holland. Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd Get him out of here. <laughs> he'd have to shoot somebody in the movie anyway. Get him out of here. Oh, you know who I'd also like to see in this movie? I I promise I I will get back on track in just a second here. I, Simon Pegg, I think, could do this. Simon Pegg. Another guy who's weirdly jacked now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least was for a period. Uh, but I think he's... Again, he's not, like, handsome, though, like Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's handsome. I just don't like him. <laughs> I'm not... I wanted to make it clear. I never thought that Hugh Grant was not handsome. Let the record show that he's a handsome man. He's a Especially handsome with man. glasses. It's a good luck. Yeah, or a snorkel. Speaking of Simon Pegg, Dylan Moran shows up in the mm-hmm. bookstore. He's trying to steal a book down his trousers. Sure does. I think this is a good setup. I don't... I, it didn't pay off quite... I feel like I'm nitpicking, but yeah, it didn't pay off the way I wanted it to. <laughs> I don't know how it could have. I think they should have spent more time on it. But it's around this time that um, Anna Scott shows up. And we have established that he does know who she is. I think he says. He knows. Or he doesn't have to say. But, like, he knows. Even though he doesn't know who DiCaprio is, he knows who Anna Scott is. She's the Julia Roberts of the Notting Hill universe, essentially. If he doesn't know who she is, then we are missing a really important scene where he's like, Oh, Anna Scott, who's that? 
Like, like they they had to have that scene if if he didn't know, and they didn't. But she's filming a movie there, and she's looking at a book. I want to say on maybe Turkey, and they have an exchange where he says it's shitty or shite or whatever British people say. It's bollocks. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> they have a little nice exchange. But I don't think it's until he he goes so he goes out for uh, like for like breakfast and he gets some orange juice and then he runs into her again on the street and I feel like that's when the uh, the sparks start to fly because he's like okay here let me let me take you back to my my place yeah because he splooshes her with that orange juice he splooshes her it's like it looks like exorcist vomit it's everywhere <laughs> the whole cup um. I wrote, on IMDb Goose have a big problem with that because they're like there's way too much sploosh for the amount of orange juice he was. Getting. I had to rewind because I was like, <laughs> "What did he? How did he get so much on there? What was that?" And he's like, "Oh, that's right. It was he said it was orange juice. His friend wanted orange juice." Yeah. Uh, so he takes it back to his place. There's a spike. It's a total dump. And total she dump. Gets, but it's also it's like really cool. It's cool. Of course it's cool. There's some London. And she gets changed door. into a pretty interesting outfit. It, uh, it's a turtleneck with rhinestones around the turtleneck part, and it's, it's a bare midriff and a leather jacket. What a what and a skirt. What a backup outfit. To me, that's like, oh yeah, she is a celebrity. <laughs> she got out of her normal clothes and got into her superhero costume. <laughs> I think so. I think that's what they're going for. Is like, wow, look how she can like heat heat it up. <laughs> up the heat. Get out the apricots and honey. It's getting steamy in here. He goes on an extended bit uh, about offering her things. I'm sure the Hugh Grant heads love this. Yeah. It was good. He's going into full Hugh Grant mode. Yeah. He was surreal, but nice. Surreal, but nice, which is what every letterbox (laughs) review of this movie is. (laughs) That's what they all say. Um, Yeah, they have a cutesy exchange. And then... uh, she, but then she leaves, and he's like, oh, fuck, why did I say that? Uh, but she uh, forgot her bag. Mm-hmm. So she comes back. Store with the book about Turkey that he did not Turkey. recommend. And they kiss. They have a little spark there. And I'm here's here's a question I have with the movie. You guys can help me. Help me figure this out. <laughs> why does she like him? Yeah, dude. Great question. Because, like, I think about most rom-coms, and obviously every rom-com is built different. This one's built a little different. It's British. Hmm. Um, the, 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 the rom-coms that come to mind for me are ones where either the guy starts off, like, they start off hating each other, you know, like a You've Classic. Got Mail. And then they're like, or I guess they don't really know, but she does hate who she thinks he is. And then eventually they, <laughs> they fall in love. Or, like, um, I watched, here's a movie that Autumn and I watched together that she hadn't seen that we really liked. We watched Jerry Maguire. A movie where someone like inspires someone, like she, like Renee Zellweger is in, is like, oh my god, the, look at this inspiring thing he said. I want to be with him because of that. Those are two rom com examples I thought off the top of my head. It's like that's because I had another one. I can't remember what it was now. That's all. That's similar to Jerry Maguire and it's set up. But this one is just like instant attraction. Yeah. But like, what is what does he have that? She can't get from other bed. Um, he's very witty and he's super hot. I mean, I think, yeah. And I mean, I don't think the movie really p- 
puts any thought into this because it is kind yeah. of a, a fantasy. But it could be also that she likes that he is witty and hot, but also just a regular guy. And she's probably only around attractive men who are movie stars and don't have, you know, that that lived lived life experience that he has. But, I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's all you can do is speculate because it's just like, well, you just have to go with the fact that they're, they just have this instant connection. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That they happens. Never really build on they should have bonded yeah. over travel books. Yeah. I mean, the movie doesn't, it's just not as much about, like, why. <laughs> it's more like how they deal with the fact that she's famous right. and he's sure. not. It's more about what comes after the fact that they realize that they're attracted to each other. The funny thing to me is the movie has a depiction of, like, genuine, unconditional romantic love. And that is uh, um, Max and Bella, I think. Mm. I think that's the right guy. Um, his uh, uh, Will's best friend and, and her husband uh, who are shown to be like actual soulmates and care so much about each other and it's not just a physical thing they're very romantic with each other um, and I just I don't feel like Will and Anna ever get to that point um, which is weird given how the movie ends uh, but I was glad it was there Mm-hmm. I, I really, I really liked the supporting cast in this. There's a bunch of uh, people that I didn't recognize, and also the pick's favorite, our first three timer, Hugh Bonneville. Hugh Bonneville. I mean, a movie with two Hughes. Can we get any more British than that? <laughs> <laughs> Can we have thrown any more Hughes in this? Are there any more famous Hughes that we could have thrown oh. into this movie? Hugh Laurie would be the. Oh, Ooh. Hugh Laurie. Uh, I don't. I don't think Hugh Jackman is going to make the time for this. But Hugh Hefner was probably available. <laughs> well, let's see. This is '99, so this is before X Men. Hugh Jackman definitely could have showed up in this. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe could we get Hugh Hefner in this in like a dream yeah. sequence to give him some advice about love? Get her in a swimming suit. You know, I heard Hugh Hefner bad at sex. I heard this. From who? From one of his former girlfriends. I think one of them wrote a book. I can't remember which one. It what? Maybe Holly well, Madison. That could be someone who was girlfriends with him when he was like eight. This was when old. he was old. But they'd say he'd just like lay down and motionless on a bed, and then they'd have to like <laughs> yeah. grind on him. I mean, he's a frail, pathetic man. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he wasn't the the player we all thought he was. I mean, it's probably better well, he's not at Notting Hill. Yeah. But the other two, they should have been part of the squad. That would have been pretty good. Uh, Spike comes home. Uh, he says there's something wrong with the yogurt. The caption spelled it with an H. Is that a British thing? Not sure. He's so dumb. He doesn't even fucking know if it's yogurt or mayonnaise. And he doesn't care. It could have been fucking jizz. Which is probably what I was thinking of because I had just watched all the American Pies. You know, I believe the movie that we watched instead of Notting Hill that night was American Pie 2. Did I ever tell you guys that I started watching that with my dad as a kid and got too embarrassed by a scene and then we turned it off even though we'd rented it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, you you did. That rental cost. Okay, it was was when they're (laughs) 
they're pissing. Uh, John Cho is just nonstop pissing over Sean William Scott. And he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like off a deck. He thinks it's champagne. <laughs> it's not even like a, an embarrassing sexual situation. It's just, <laughs> it's just exactly. disgusting. It's gross. Yeah. Like the fact that I had trouble with uh, that, but not when he drinks jizz in the first movie. <laughs> Uh, Spike proposes a video fest, as he calls it, with some absolute classics. And then, hey, man, one of them happens to be an Anna Scott movie. They're watching a romance film shot in black and white uh, for some reason, where she's like walking around a museum uh, with Matthew Modine wearing a weird hat. (laughs) Matthew Modine. It was kind of weird that, you know, it's funny. I thought this movie looked like way worse than the actual movie but then there's a sci-fi movie later that looks pretty good like effects wise <laughs> so i don't know what they're doing with this the, the looks... black and white romance movie or why why spike that was the one that he wanted to watch yeah well because he's horny for Anna scott because he like, is horny he's so horny believe someone in the world gets to kiss her yeah that's true you guys have a favorite movie within a movie great question it's a hard question, I know, just to pull out of the ether. I'll tell you mine. Uh, the fictional movie within Matinee, the John Goodman movie, there's a movie called Mant about a man who turns into a, a man ant. It's kind of like the fly. <laughs> Super funny. He finds out at the dentist that he's turned into an ant. You've turned into an ant, but luckily you have no cavities. It's a great, it's a great scene. I think you can watch like 30 minutes of Mant online. I just like fictional movies. Mm. Like, I really want them to make, uh, what's the uh, Jeff Portnoy movie from Tropic Thunder? The Fatties? Yeah, let's, the get, fatties. That, let's get yeah. that going. <laughs> um, then I wrote, we got the, the dumb guy who doesn't understand the travel bookstore. The John Grisham stuff. They have fun with that. Next time we see Spike, he's wearing a wetsuit because he's such a slob that he is uh, does not clean his clothes. Yeah, doesn't have any clean clothes. And it's around this time that he finds out that Anna left a message uh, with him that she was staying at a hotel, um, but it was under a fake name, and he can't remember the name! And then he... Uh, I'm trying to remember how this plays out because I feel like I had a, a rewrite he's, of he this. He just does remember it later. Yeah, he's like calling and then he just does remember it. I Oh, here's my rewrite. This is probably too stupid. But hey, Spike's stupid. You, you can put stupid stuff in this movie. <laughs> yeah, get away with it. I think that I think my rewrite would be he asks for, because the name is Flintstone because she goes by cartoon names whenever she checks into hotels. And then a guy picks up whose name is Flintstone. <laughs> And he's like, hello, who's this? And then he, like, there's a back, uh, awkward exchange with a man who this is his actual name. And then um, Spike would remember, oh, wait, no, actually, I think it's it's Jetson or something. That's my slight rewrite. I got no laugh, so clearly it's not a better joke. But hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny idea. What if that guy was played by John Goodman? Oh, I thought you were going to say Mark Addy. Both, uh, both Goodman, though. E- either, either is great. I think. Yeah, take your pick. Both have <laughs> connections in that Mark Addy is British, and then John Goodman is King Ralph, so they both have their. Uh... Mm-hmm. And he also is. He's treated like royalty over there. Yeah, still treated like. So royalty. he's going to go to the hotel. 
And I know I've been being hard on this movie, but I'm not going to be hard on this next joke because I do think it's... I mean, we'll see where if I get later in my notes if I find a better joke. But I think this might be my favorite joke. Recurring joke. I feel like it could have been even more recurring. Is that when he goes to the hotel, he pretends to be a journalist and he decides that he's a journalist <laughs> from Horse and Hounds. So uh, good. Which is good. Yeah. Because then when he actually is... Uh, does finally get to her and he been like her manager or some representative of hers is in the room. So he has to keep up the shtick. He says like, have you considered having more horses in it? And then she has to tell him that the movie is in space. It's a good joke. And then he's talking about like maybe in her next movie. And then she's saying like, it's on a submarine. So I was wondering like, is there some joke? Didn't people used to say Julia Roberts looks like a horse? Is there something (laughs) In, in there that I'm not thinking. You're thinking of Sarah Jessica Parker. I feel like I feel like I've heard it. No, 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 no. no. I think that joke different- is in Ed Wood. Yeah. No, I'm thinking about how I think um, Lois Griffin on Family Guy said looks like a baboon's ass, which is a so such a her lips such a mean joke. Family Guy so so rude, right? Uncalled for. It's uncalled for. Oh, I do also like the what's, the, um, what's the world we're living in where we're complaining about the way Julia Roberts <laughs> <laughs> What chance does anyone have if we're like Julia Roberts isn't pretty enough? You got a problem, Sean? Take it up with the writers of Family Guy. Oh, I will. I'm going to go to them and say, I'm sick of the YouTube algorithm recommending 13-second clips of your fucking show to me. <laughs> well, you just got to not click, Sean. I know it's hard not I, to. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I got suckered into that at one point. Me too. But they, they're not showing up anymore, so you just got to abstain. Just, just stay strong. Just stay strong. They'll go away eventually. Speaking of just, like, cutaway gags, him continuing to interview people for Horse and Hound, because he has to interview the whole cast to maintain his lie, had me crack. I was watching this movie alone, and I was laughing out loud, which I don't funny. do very often. Yeah, great sequence. Um, I love to see Clark Peters as well in this. He is from uh, The Wire and Treme. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea he ever had been to England. <laughs> well, his for all his early movies are British. Hmm. That's so cool. Good for him. I remember he was in uh, Last Criterion Month. I did Mona Lisa. I noticed his first couple of movies are British. Hmm. So I guess I don't, maybe I don't know if I, I'm sure you can find it out. Maybe yeah, he just acted in England for a long time, so he has connections hmm. there. Uh, but he himself is, of course, from New York City. Um, I love the other actor who he has to talk to through a translator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he uh, it takes like a bunch of steps for him to ask if he relates to his character. And the actor has to be like, no, I don't relate to playing a psychopathic robot. <laughs> he talks to uh, a, a young Misha Barton. Who's uh, 12 years old in this movie? Mm-hmm. Wow. Or playing 12. She's probably older. And that's the, the Leonardo bit that confused me a little bit because <laughs> she says it's not like working with Leonardo. And he says, Da Vinci? <laughs> we also, I noted in my notes, getting better at the job music kicks in. <laughs> like as the exchanges seem to go better, there's a music cue that, show, that, that uh, accentuates that. <laughs> I wish there was more horse and hound. 
Like, I wish at the end when he'd gone to the set, someone would be like, you're the guy from Horse and Hound. <laughs> I would have appreciated mm. that because it's a, it's a great... I would watch a movie called Horse and Hound about him keeping this up. <laughs> where he keeps... It doesn't actually exist. And he just does it. I think it's maybe one of those things where you gotta leave him wanting more. Yeah. It does come back at the end. It does. He does mention it again. Yeah. It doesn't disappear. Just wanted more of it. Um, I like this note I wrote. Interesting idea. Famous person to Sister's B-Day dinner. It is an interesting idea. Yeah. It's a good idea. This movie's a good idea. Despite my problems with it. Uh, (laughs) The the idea that you'd bring someone famous to a random dinner with your friends. And that everybody experiences it. You know, slightly different. Like when Hugh Bonneville comes in, he doesn't even know who the fuck she is. Mm-hmm. He's just some dude, and he's also got a sister, Honey. She's got crazy Spice Girl hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know Hugh, Hugh Bonneville, who also looks so young. He looks so he's so youthful. I, I mean, we've seen him in a movie earlier in this because I guess he had a bit part. None of us remember it in Mary Shelley's <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. Where he's just like, get out of here, Frankenstein! Like a guy yells at him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he looks so young in this movie. And there's the... Um, he's he's so unaware that he's talking to Anna about what she does. And she says she's an actress. And he says, what you got? What did you get paid on your last uh, film? Because she said she's a film actress. And uh, she says, 15 million, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I think is what she got paid to be in this movie so a little inside baseball a little uh julia roberts letting us know how much these people do get paid and i like that his response is hmm that's fairly good (laughs) (laughs) almost like he still hasn't quite cracked it either yeah (laughs) takes him a little more time to like really put it together (laughs) they have a happy dinner montage um for a movie that usually has good needle drops i wasn't crazy about this one plays twice. It also plays in the garden. I said seventh heavenly sounding needle drop. That so that was my I I thought all the needle drops in the first half of the movie were bad. Yeah, I agree. I'm They're trying to like remember what where were the other ones. Weird. Oh well, the even the Elvis Costello one. I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure of how much I like it. I like him. Yeah, it felt like too much. Even again, like he's he's one of my favorites. But yeah. There's like some 90 degrees she bullshit. Maybe the piece I can't forget. Um, so you have this montage, and then they have like this game that I would never dare play in my <laughs> real life because it sounds like the worst game ever, which is like, who, I guess it's just like, who has the worst life? <laughs> never play it. This is fucking my nightmare, especially now in the age we live in. They're living in the go go 90s. I'd, you know, I'd you play could, this game. I don't think I'd win, but it sounds interesting. I don't even want to think about it. I might win. It's possible. (laughs) Oh, uh, Anne tries to act her way into into get. They're going to win. I think it's brownies or a a brownie, Mm -hmm. the last brownie. There's one extra brownie. Now, remind me, was her story she's telling, that wasn't actually her story. She was just making it up. or I couldn't tell if she was acting to accentuate what was her story. That's my read on it. She was telling the truth, but she's not actually sad about her life. So but, then, but everything she is frustrated with, which is like 
having been on a diet basically her whole life and having had a bunch of shitty ex-boyfriends and not feeling like she's in control and having to run from the press and the paparazzi all the time. Right. So it's it's, it, it's not inaccurate to say we never learn anything about Anna Sky in this movie. We do learn some things that she's been had some problems with drugs and various scandals and abuse. So we do get some background there. Uh, so it's good, even though it's sad, but it's good. Uh, but I, it's Hugh Grant, doesn't he win for being fucking travel bookstore guy? Yeah, because the bookstore we know is failing. We we know from that first scene that like he's in debt. Like, he's losing money every month with that store. <laughs> and uh, and his wife left him for Harrison Ford. And you know, he's just sad now. Yeah, but they, sh- they should have gave it to you, Bonneville, though. Yeah, because he doesn't understand his job. <laughs> well, no, because he doesn't look like Hugh Grant. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. He just looks like a, a, a big baby. Like, a, a nice-looking baby. <laughs> A, a well-dressed baby. <laughs> Every girl's crazy about a well-dressed baby. That could that could be a Pampers commercial. I hear his diapers are made of silk. Ooh la la. Anna and William have a great time. Afterwards, they walk by a garden, and she, he's like, it's closed. She's like, no, nah, let's break in. Um, and then she makes fun of him because he keeps saying whoopsie daisies, which this hits too hard because that's I don't know that I say whoopsie daisies, but I'm sure there's things I say that are similar to whoopsie da- whoopsie daisies. Mm, yeah, I say okie dokie. Do you guys say anything in your life a lot that you're embarrassed by? I say okie dokie every day. I say okie dokie um, a lot, and I'm not embarrassed by it, but maybe I should be. I don't. Know. You know what? You know what? I oh, I learned the worst fucking thing. I learned it from Colin. Autumn hates this. I say Dindin, which I feel like I only heard from Colin saying Dindin all the time. And she hates it when I say Dindin. And I hate it too, but I I say it now. I try not to say it anymore, but I'm sorry I infected you. No, it's funny. It's funny. I don't know if you I started saying hell yeah again, ironically, and now I just say it. Oh, you came back around. I passed that on to you guys. Hell yeah, it's cool. Oh yeah, it's not as embarrassing. It's not like something a British person would say. Yeah, it's not something oh, a grown up would say. Um, they break into the garden. That Seventh Heaven song plays again, even though we just heard it in the dinner montage. It's 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 called "When You Say Nothing," um, at all by Ronan Keating. And they uh, wander around the garden. Uh, just it seems like a lot of grass. I don't know if uh, I don't know if the British have a different definition of garden. Do they? Well, they were saying it's sort of like in those um, those fancy neighborhoods in New York, where like the gardens are not actually public; they like belong to the houses that are around the garden. So, like that's that's why they they were closed off. You tell like, me, Madison events. Square Garden isn't a big greenhouse, Sean? <laughs> if I go in there, and it's not it's not like fucking Poison Ivy's workshop. I'm gonna be pissed. I, I I'm pretty sure this is a thing in New York as well, where there are like fancy no, I neighborhoods. Think, that I think have you're right. It's a it's a very big gardens. city metropolitan kind of thing. Um, then we get a a love montage. Uh, they go to the movies. Here's a good payoff. He's wearing he can't find his glasses, so he's wearing his the goggles from the wetsuit. <laughs> Those are his prescription goggles. It's a Hilarious nice, image. It's a nice callback. Uh, there's also a part where they go to a restaurant. And there's some guys uh, slut shaming her 
she's just that famous. I could I could believe it's happening. Where they, they we learn that actress in some countries also means prostitute. Yeah, those guys suck. Those so guys bad. suck. Did so they much. did they know she was there? No, I don't no. know where this is. Here's another p- part where I'd love to know what this restaurant is and show me the food, please. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to stand up to the jerks, but obviously, like, I mean, it would be weird. Can you imagine if you're in, in, insulting a celebrity and then someone came up and was like, "Hey, I really like that celebrity. You guys need to chill out." <laughs> it would be weird, even if we were on the wrong side of the issue here. But then, of course, Anna shows up. And she says yeah. they have dicks the size of peanuts. Which yeah, isn't like... It rhymes with peanuts. Sometimes, sometimes peanuts are pretty big, though. Uh, <laughs> I guess if you're not talking about... Uh, <laughs> well, if you include like the shell. Even the shell's not... It's like some <laughs> freak genetically modified peanut. I think peanuts have limitations. Uh, after this, we get an Alec Baldwin jump scare, as I wrote in my letterbox review. Right. They're, they're finally going to hook up. Uh, Jeff King, then... who I assume is just the Alec Baldwin of the Notting Hill version. <laughs> I keep trying to think of, like, who are they supposed to be? I was like, well, they're probably just supposed to be who they are. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that makes sense. It is pretty shitty that she was, I guess, dating him, but didn't tell William. Yeah. Dumper, dude. Dumper. Yeah. I mean, we don't know that they were exclusive. They're famous Hollywood people. Well, it seems shitty. He does. I mean, isn't Alec Baldwin in real life married to Kim Basinger <laughs> at this time? At this time, yeah. So he could be a married man that's cheating. Do you think him. this is what he's actually like in reality <laughs> to the woman oh, he, in his life, love life? I think everyone agrees Alec Baldwin is a jerk, except for Tina Fey. She's the only person who believes he's a jerk. It is true that he's a jerk. He makes a joke in in Notting Hill about her. be like, don't eat too much. Uh, You don't want to get too fat, you fucking pig. (laughs) (laughs) He he did say, you fucking pig. I always think about Tom Sharpling's Alec Baldwin impression. I remember one time, because they're talking about when he uh, talked to Woody Allen over Instagram Live, and Woody's Wi-Fi kept crapping out. <laughs> that Then Tom Sharpling's doing a bit where like Alec Baldwin was working for the Geek Squad. <laughs> He's like, did you check your router, you, you fucking pig? <laughs> He's just like so mean to everyone he tries to help. <laughs> Um, it's funny at this point in my note that I wrote, where's the paparazzi? But, but past John didn't know us. They're coming. Yeah, coming. they'll be there. Uh, but yeah, Williams. This Williams, is London, baby. I'm so sad. We get maybe our first good needle drop. Maybe this is where the needle drops starting to turn around. We get Al Green covering the Bee Gees. Yeah. I did not write down which song it was, but I remember it was the Bee Gees. Um... um. Was it How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Yeah, but if Al Green did it. Uh, so he's like, oh, fuck, I guess that's not going to work out. She's, he's got, she's guys in a relationship. Um, so not yeah. long after we get a dating montage of him going out with fucking losers. Uh, well, well, just two, actually. Also, yeah. <laughs> actually, and one's pretty good. One's pretty good. <laughs> The the first one, yeah. 
I'm, I just noticed in the in the credits, Emily Morton, Emily Mortimer is, is listed as perfect. Girl. She's the too good one. <laughs> well, I believe he says like, yeah, she's good, but it's it's not love or whatever. Like he doesn't love her though. It's not the same. Uh, it is pretty soon for him. But come on, man, give a chance. The other mm. one is a fruititarian, which is right. That's what. That oh wait, no, there's a, there's three. Thing. There's three. There's one that's too British. <laughs> She's just like a Tracy Ullman level, like Cockney, too British. And then there's the fruitarian who believes that fruit feels pain. Which I, don't, I think fruitarian is a thing, and I don't think that's what they think. I think it's why they, they only eat fruit. <laughs> then some racy photos of Anna start circulating, and she takes the opportunity to go see William. Um, I can't remember how much time has passed. Because this isn't the montage has not happened yet, but I don't know. He seems, yeah, he seems open to her to come back into his life. She t- goes up and takes a bath, and that's where we get the scene where uh, Spike sees her, and then the scene cuts away before we see if anything happens between them. You think something happened? Between I, think, and I, think there, I think. I think there. I think. I think. I think uh, another joke could happen. No, it's fine. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think anything happened. I, I guess she's like okay with him seeing her in the bathtub, which is kind of weird. But maybe she's like, "Man, everyone's seeing naked pictures of me right now." Anyway, who gives a shit? Yeah. We get an exchange. I don't remember the context, but we get an exchange about Mel Gibson's bottom, and it's crazy how he yeah. used to be the go-to heartthrob in all of them. You know, it's really funny <laughs> to think about that he was just like the model of a handsome Hollywood man and now he's like so scary. <laughs> just like the demon. You, you, you couldn't name a scarier man in Hollywood. Um, And they do end up sleeping in the same bed. I can't, I can't remember now if they actually do get hot and heavy because when they wake up they're sleeping like foot to head. But it seems like they might... Right, I mean they're naked. They're naked. That's yeah. that's why the thing is you don't actually see them do anything, but they are naked even though they're sleeping in a weird way in the morning. It's just very tasteful, like, I suppose. It's very British. Now, <laughs> past John. Now we get the paparazzi. Here they come, and she's pissed. She's really being really mean to William, as if he blabbed. But come on, you know this guy. I think you know him. <laughs> He's nice. Uh, we do get that that scene of Spike going out in his underwear. I don't know, man. Hilarious. I don't like. It. I don't like Spike. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't find it funny. Uh, yeah, I don't love. Him. I mean, maybe he's a little broad, but he's. Uh... I would say I'm mildly amused by him, even if I don't find him. I like mean, I like recycling. Hysterical. They can't yeah. take that away from me. Mm-hmm. I love me his confidence. He goes out there in his tidy whities and like one of his butt cheeks is out. And he's like, oh, that went pretty good. Yeah. I do appreciate that he doesn't check how he looks before. He check how he looks after to, to kind of yeah, like, okay, yeah, I looked good. That was a that good. Was this good. was a good. He's like, I wore the, the right pair for this. Yeah. Um, but Anna's so pissed at William, and she doesn't think she can trust him, and she storms off. And then we get this uh, this montage, which is the one thing that I knew I'd seen 
about I'd seen this scene somehow. I might have seen it on TV. I'd seen this scene before. I'd seen this movie. It's probably the probably the most famous thing from this movie, right? The Ain't No Sunshine montage. And I had not seen this before. Oh, yeah, I had not seen it. My socks and off. yeah, and it's you know as much as I'm being mean to this movie, I'm not gonna be. That's great. That's a great sequence. That's an amazing sequence. Yeah. It's it's so well shot and composed where he'll we watch him walking through Notting Hill as the seasons change. There's one part where it's it's fall and then he's a truck takes up the background and then we are into snow and he switches into a different coat. It's a nice music cue. It's it's a really well shot, really cool kind of. Th- I, this is the kind of stuff that like I feel like Zach Braff's like nah. Now I gotta make Garden State because Garden State <laughs> has lots of stuff like this. But this is like really this is really nice. It's great. Um, I looked up "Ain't No Sunshine" on Wikipedia, and the most interesting thing I learned is you know there's the part where he goes, "I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know." Yeah, like a mm-hmm. whole verse. Yeah. Uh, that was just a filler. He was going to write a verse, and then mm-hmm. the studio musicians were like, no, this rules. You need to leave it in the song. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I trust them. I'm just a guy who builds bathrooms for airplanes. These are professional dude, musicians. Dude, I love, I love shit like that. That's like, <laughs> that, that reminds me of, you remember that scene in Punch Drunk Love where Adam Sandler says, like they're saying, how are you doing? And he says, I'm food. It's because the script, it was supposed to say, I'm good, but it actually <laughs> wrote, wrote it as, I'm food, and it's they kept it. It's in the movie. He says, I'm food. <laughs> I love it. It makes the movie scene better. No, they don't get to that part of the song in the scene, unfortunately. I know. Oh, you're talking about the I'm food <laughs> makes that seem better? That seems like a real non sequitur. It is. It's not a pivotal part of the movie. Yes, you remember it. <laughs> you remember it, no. It makes it memorable. Next thing I have is the friends gather and are like, we suck. But this is around the time that, because they always talk about how much they suck. They don't suck that much. <laughs> That's their main like, thing. Yeah. That's their main thing, I guess. Well, at this point, that friend from the start of the movie, who we've not seen for the whole rest of the movie, is like, yeah, I'm closing my restaurant. Yeah. It I kept forgetting about that it, guy. It's like, hey, why haven't we seen this guy? <laughs> well, also, he's busy with his failing yeah. restaurant. Hugh Bonneville got that they were never eating fired. It. Hugh Bonneville got fired. Um, so yeah, things suck. But we do find out that Honey, his sister, says that she met a guy and that they're engaged. Right, which we realize is a lie because she then turns to Spike and she's like, "It's you, by the way." And he's like, oh, me? Did they have a scene together before this? No. Not to That's my a surprise. Memory. Maybe in, like, the special edition. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think, yeah, all these months, all these seasons have gone by. And then... Some Someone... I can't remember how he finds out that she's back in Notting Hill filming something. Filming a period piece. Somebody tells him. Someone tells Maybe him. Maybe it's one of his friends. Yeah. And they have the... They, like, drive... That's when they drive to the set, right? Or It's, like, it's, it's funny, but I don't remember why. <laughs> or is that late? Oh, it is there. He gets, he gets to the set. And there are horses this time. So that's, that's a perfect for his fake publication. <laughs> 
Um, and he does manage to meet up with Anna, and they like plant him in like a chair, and he's got some headphones, and he can like listen to them. And he overhears her saying like, "Oh, I don't know what he's what that guy's doing here." And these kind of disparaging things. I'm actually surprised. I mean, I guess I get it. Like, he storms off like he thinks. I, clearly, she's just, like, trying to, like, not draw attention to that. This guy that she loves is here. But he takes it as, like, oh, well, she doesn't fucking want me here. And I was trying to well, think, think. Yeah. From his point of view, she flirted with him. And then it turned out uh, she had a boyfriend already. Then she came back into his life. And then she bailed on him for things that weren't his fault. So he's like, am I really going to give her a third chance when she's already talking smack about me the second she sees me again? That's true. I was also trying to think of, like, in the context of the movie, I could imagine, like, like, I guess if this happened to me in real life, if I was Notting Hilled, and I heard those, yeah, I would probably have stormed off. Yeah. But as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, no, dude, you got to understand why she's saying that. But he doesn't know that because he doesn't know he's in a movie. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't realize that in every romantic comedy there has to be a part in the third act where they are broken up. You know, that doesn't make sense. So I get why he. Uh... Which leads to the big scene in the movie. The scene that I this this is the scene I knew about, which is uh, when Anna comes and visits him at his shop. Yeah. And she's brought him a gift. And he's like, I can't see myself dating you. And she says that she's just a girl standing in front of a boy wanting him to love her. And it's that great Julia Roberts, like, I'm crying but also smiling. Right. (laughs) Acting. That's, I mean, incredible. And he says no. And he he, he elaborates, too. And she says, so that's like a defiant no. I yeah. feel like it's, I don't know. He, she, I see where he's coming from. It seems harsh. I see where he's coming from. I think it's crazy that how easy it is for his friends to convince him you fucked up, though. I feel like maybe at the end she should have said no. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. He gave yeah. her a. He was. He gave her a brutal no. He went pretty yeah, hard. I, he went pretty she, hard on that. But she knows that that no is coming from him having been hurt by her three times in a row. Okay, then we get after his friend told me he, he fucked up. Then we get the funny driving to the hotel. Love this scene. Cue so good of them driving. Yes. What do you like about it? Um, I feel like so many. Uh, movies like this would have a really unrealistic racing to a, a destination scene, and here it's like it's over the it's not quite over the top. It's it's heightened. It'd be a, it'd be pretty crazy, but the things they end up doing are like driving the wrong way on one way road, um, making an illegal U turn, and then having Spike come out and like redirect traffic illegally, which are all things like you could imagine actually happening. Um. There's a great moment between, um, I forget which one is Bella's husband, and, but the, he's he's driving, uh, and he's like, where's Bella? And like, well, we're leaving her behind. She's in a wheelchair. And he's like, saw that. And he, uh, he kicks Spike into the, <laughs> the trunk of the car and picks her up and puts her in the car. And then he's like trying to pick a route, and everyone's giving him different directions. And he's like, stop it. I'm going to make the decision. This doesn't happen to James Bond. 
It's great. I, I, I think it needed to be sillier, like you suggested earlier. I think it needs to uh, go through a pane of glass, hit a fruit cart, <laughs> go off the ramp. I don't think it needed that. Have all. the car get split in two, and then people are riding on both sides of the car. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna set up a wacky driving scene, I want it to be wacky. Especially we, we kicked in. Give me some eleven. Right. Um, but, but I'm glad you liked it. They get to the hotel, and but they don't know the fake name. But then the, the clerk, out of the goodness of his heart, tells him that Pocahontas checked out an hour ago. Yeah. And then as like that she's got like some press conference. What is this press conference? What is this for? Is this a publicity tour for the space movie? What is this? It sounds like she, she was going to be announcing that she was taking a hiatus from acting for a year. Actors do this though. Uh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some people tell us that, like Leonardo DiCaprio, after he won his Oscar, was like, "I'm taking a break." He had a press conference. I don't know if he had a press conference, but I mean, this is like a press conference. This is uh, this is like a full on. I mean, maybe she's promoting the uh, the Henry James movie. (laughs) Because they just had finished, they just wrapped filming it, obviously, because she's leaving the country. That's right. Um, but good old horse and hound boy shows up. And he gets to ask her questions. And he says he was an absolute clog. Yeah. And uh, he, I, I, he wins her back. Or she, she's like, yeah, sure. Even though he was so fucking brutal earlier. But I guess she she had a boyfriend. They're both bad. They're, both, they're bad people. She was mean to him when she dumped him at the, when the paparazzi were outside yeah. of his house. Um... No Harrison Ford cameo. <laughs> no Harrison Ford at all. <laughs> Even though Roger Michelle did go on to work with Harrison Ford. Maybe that was to make up for the lack of a Harrison Ford cameo in this. And they get we get quite a portion of time. They get fucking they get married. And then she's like pregnant. They get married and she's pregnant. Which I wish there was a better way to show that people loved each other in movies besides <laughs> they've created life. Uh, yeah, they could just be living together. Alternate ending. Yeah, it's a it was a it's a wet dream. It never Ooh. happened. Whoa. It's Spike's wet dream. <laughs> his friend <laughs> turns him on so much. To imagine his friend dating a celebrity. Weirdo. Uh, those are all the notes I have on Notting Hill. Uh, obviously, big big hit. Uh, definitely in the top. 10 for the year. I believe it was 9. Let me pull up that for list For 1999, again. the biggest year. The big year. year. No, no, it was number 7. Uh, that list one more time. I'll go from uh, 10 to 1. Awesome Power, Spy You Shagged Me, American Beauty, The World Is Not Enough, Notting Hill, The Mummy, Tarzan, The Matrix, Toy Story 2, Sixth Sense, and Episode 1 on top there. Wow. wow. Some pretty... I finally done it. I've finally seen the top 10 from 1999. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> It's funny how often we think we're doing movies that people don't really talk about as much, and then they're like top ten movies of the year. Like The Pelican Brief yeah. was a top ten movie of that year. <laughs> uh, Wolf Wolf should have been. Wolf should have been. Sorry. Sorry, Wolf. <laughs> but yeah, big hit. I mean, if you look at Julia Roberts' career in the 90s, it's basically her just breaking records that she had previously set over and over again. 
<laughs> I mean, I would be interested in watching some more of those '90s ones just just to see what it was all about. Like, I've always I've always liked her, but I'd love to see what it was like living during the craze. Because I don't know about you guys, I haven't seen most of those those big ones she made. Even though I don't know how good any of those are, like uh, like My Best Friend's Wedding or Runaway Pride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember those are those are both huge hit. Like I think, yeah, my best friend's writing at at some, at some point in time was like the highest grossing like rom com, and then later Runaway Bride was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think we've all seen Pretty Woman at least, right? I haven't. Oh yeah, I have not. Oh shit! Only I've seen it. Well, it's pretty I have, good. I have seen Runaway Bride though. Oh, watched okay. it with my family wow. as a kid. Okay, okay. Because put... you know what? You know why? Because she's putting on running shoes. She's putting on her coasters. sneakers. Yeah. So your family's like, oh my god, this is our. It's one of those that's images true. that's kind of burned into my yeah. my brain. Is her putting it's on uh, sneakers? Yeah. Good. Morning. Also, I don't know if you guys ever watch a movie and then you're like, fuck, I should have made that a pick. But I had that experience uh, when I watched Mystic Pizza, and I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah, that would have been, been about a, a pizza place in Mystic, Connecticut. I mean, I'm still just trying to convince you guys to just watch Cutthroat Island at some point. Well, I think we will. It's so fun. I think we will. It's so bad. Okay. Um, have we? We've just done the yeah. two Julias back to back, right? There's no other ones we've done. I think I haven't picked it yet because I haven't found the opportunity to but I could imagine myself picking Flatliners just because it's a Schumacher and just because it is a movie I enjoy so I think there's a chance I think there's a pretty good chance actually she'll enter the three timers club Sean we got any goofs yeah um, I think the favorite one that I found is um, we've already talked about this guy uh, the the customer who comes in requesting novels he mentions you have the latest John Grisham Um, at one part he asked for uh, any books by Charles Dickens and and he sent away with an admonish this is a travel bookstore but a true travel book professional would know that Dickens wrote several notable travel books (laughs) Including American <laughs> notes and pictures from Italy. Dude, that's super embarrassing, especially if you're rich. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why they're uh, they're they're failing. <laughs> Need to read some more travel books. Fuck, dude. Black Adder was like historical, right? You think this guy would like fucking know his his shit about history? Um. Yeah, I've seen the last scene of Blackadder. It's pretty intense. You know, I forgot that right before this. He, because I, I, Richard Curtis has had quite the prolific television career. I forgot that he co-created yeah. Mr. Bean and that he wrote the Mr. Bean movie. Before <laughs> really? This. Yeah. Right before Notting Hill, Bean, which I saw in theaters, because Mortal Kombat Annihilation was not out yet, which we thought it was. <laughs> Did not come back for Mr. Bean's holiday, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, uh, Blackadder's before Bean, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. Bean, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Sorry, I'm just reading ahead that Richard Curtis 
is doing a Netflix movie, an animated movie next year called Richard right. Curtis's That Christmas. That Christmas. <laughs> that Christmas follows a series of entwined tales about love and loneliness, family and friends, and Santa Claus making a big mistake, not to mention an enormous number of turkeys. What? No. Uh, okay. No casting on the Wikipedia. What about the IMDb? No cast? I'll bet you five bucks Bill Nye's in this. <laughs> right? It's gotta be. It's a good guess. I feel like that's more likely than Hugh Grant for this like animated thing. Uh, well, there we go. Yeah, I don't have a villain's wiki. I don't know who the villain of this is. I guess we said it was Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Now canonically the villain of most things he's in. Or yeah. just like fame as a concept. The paparazzi. Oh yeah. <laughs> the money monster. The money monster. Yeah. Was it That didn't have Julia Roberts, did it? I can't remember now. Who's in Money Mon? George Clooney. Yeah, I thought it was. George Clooney and Julie Roberts. Yeah. And George Clooney. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I did well I accidentally rented it. <laughs> The only time I've ever done that in my life. It was, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we'll pick it in the future. And, it, and you know, it states... Oh, we got a pick. We got a pick. I keep forgetting. I don't know how many more picks we we're going to get in before we got on break. Just getting ready to do, do the, the lead out here. Yeah, we're getting down there. Calling. Yeah. It's calling time. It's, it's me time. Um, okay. I wanted to pick a Christmas movie because it is that time of year. Uh, but it's hard to pick Christmas movies that none of us have seen. It's true. <laughs> um, Maybe an unfair criteria. I know. I could have picked one that some of us have seen, but I I, th- I think this will be a good, like, three-star movie. <laughs> no, going That's what I thought about this. Yeah. Fucking backfired. We'll see. Maybe it'll be controversial. Um, anyways, it was a movie I was going to pick last year because uh, it seemed appropriate last year, but it also seems appropriate this year <laughs> considering our last or one of our recent picks. Um, it's the movie The Preacher's Wife. Yeah, um, with Denzel. It's a, yeah, it's a Denzel Washington movie, which we just watched another Denzel Washington movie. It seemed appropriate last year because we had just gotten done reviewing a movie that was a remake of a old Cary Grant movie, uh, The Money Pit, which this mm-hmm. movie is also a remake of a Cary Grant movie uh, called The Bishop's Wife, which I actually watched last year. Uh, so I've been saving this one. Um, directed by Penny Marshall. Um, she didn't direct that many movies. Um, which I guess is why we haven't gotten around to her yet, because we've seen all her... Other big Courtney ones. Courtney B. Vance, I see on the post. Courtney B. Vance. He's the guy who's like, I need an angel to make my life better. But then the angel falls in love with his wife and fucks up wow. his life more. That sounds pretty. That sounds good. 
That's the plot. It, I, like the, it. I watched I watched the trailer and it sold me mostly because it looks like Denzel Washington is being like a little more lighthearted and comedic, which he pretty much never does. I feel like he's he's always doing pretty serious, heavy stuff, and to see him do like a lighter uh, Christmas movie, it seems interesting to me. Even if the movie's just kind of like feel good fluff, like. Still got some interesting people involved. Yeah. I mean, a supernatural Denzel sounds really interesting. You know, yeah. you know what we got to watch? I moved, this is a movie I just found out about like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you guys ever hear the Denzel Washington movie Heart Condition from 1990? No. You got to look this up. Here's the, it's, okay, so Bob Hoskins and Denzel. Here's the, here's the plot. A racist cop receives a heart transplant from a black lawyer he hates who returns as a ghost to ask the cop to help take down the men who murdered him. <laughs> a racist cop gets Denzel's heart and then he's a ghost helping him solve a crime. Whoa. Good poster. Good poster. Yeah, good poster. Like so, oh. I, I, I regret every day that I fucking pick cat people and not Fallen, the weird, like, satanic uh, cop movie with Denzel. I gotta pick mm-hmm. it at some point because I really want to get into all the Tenzel movies with elements of fantasy. <laughs> that seems like something that doesn't now. happen that much. Yeah, he's a, he's a very grounded actor, but every once in a while he'll he'll do some flights of fancy. He had a period in the '90s, which is yeah. also like his biggest period, where he's like, you know, I'm also gonna play some ghosts and angels and devil. <laughs> this is great. I love a, like a '90s. I love a '90s movie. No, I feel like you particularly like this vibe of just like feel good sort of family movies. I guess like the Mrs. Doubtfire vibe, which it looks like. Yeah, it's a vibe I'm always looking for. Yeah. I should have picked Michael at some point, but it's not quite a Christmas movie. It's Christmas adjacent. Also, mm-hmm. I feel like it might be a little too schmaltzy. Preacher's Wife <laughs> might be schmaltzy too, but at least it's got Denzel. Yeah. So is that is that he's in the. Is he in the club, right? Yeah, he's in the club. The three-timers club. If he's not already, I can't remember. I am, I, know, I don't really keep track of that. He did, I think this would put him in. What was the this other is one? It. We did an earlier one. Training day. Training day, yeah. Training day Pelican brief. Welcome, man. <laughs> I feel like, did I do a little pick on Roman J. Israel? Like <laughs> wow, have we been out doing this that long? I don't think we've been doing this that long. <laughs> But maybe okay. it's possible. I mean, there's nothing stopping you from making a little pick anytime you want. Yeah. I picked a documentary it's... from 2002 as, uh, as my little pick today. So Anything's possible, which is what we like to say on the pick. And if you like the pick, you know, check us out at com or anywhere you find podcasts. Just search Mildly Please. It's the best way to find us. Um, but until next time... Well, slag off, you absolute clocks. Wonder if she's going to stay. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And this house just ain't no home anytime she goes away.